minutes of our lives inside Either we're in traffic at work or close eyes How about we all agree that it's way overdue to take back our lives What's up, guys? Welcome into the Work Wherever podcast. I'm your host, Roy Edwards. This is another episode where we're talking about AI automation, the ability to work wherever so you can live every day like it's Saturday. And so a lot of people have been getting confused. Well, more so I want to clarify something. The whole work wherever mindset is only possible through automation and technology, which is why this is a technology podcast. So the whole work wherever idea, you see a lot of remote advocates, which I I do consider myself a remote advocate, but you see a lot of remote advocates that are just pushing the narrative that just people need to work from home and and that's it, end of discussion. Which is why I think we have so much pushback from and why it's become so politicized is you have these people who believe that, oh, well, the people who work from home are not working hard enough or they're lazy or whatever. And then you have the other side of the conversation where they want butts and seats and they want to be able to micromanage individuals. And to be honest, working from home, you get more micromanaged than if you were in the office oftentimes. And that's because the amount of work that you're doing and the type of work that you're doing is displayed through business intelligence, analysis, dashboards. You can see every time you logged in, you can see, I mean, you can see everything you're doing. So that's what I wanted to clarify before we got into this topic because people are like, well, it's work wherever. You just talk about remote. Well, I'll talk about technology that enables you to work remote so you can live every day like it's Saturday because we are headed towards that production-based economy that I, re- I truly honestly believe that we are headed there. And in order to get there, to focus on a production-based economy, it has to be through automation and artificial intelligence. And I got to thinking, okay, well, if people are going to head in this direction, which we already have, we're a full remote organization, we implement autom- automation and artificial intelligence. We all, and we implemented it. So, inception. We we've been running automation in different ways since the inception of our organization in 2014, 2016, and then there and beyond. And we implemented artificial intelligence. So we implemented Copilot in 2018. Microsoft Copilot. Then it was called Microsoft Power Virtual Agent, in which they just rebranded it to Copilot. But we implemented that in 2018 as a bot. So this stuff's not new. It's been around. And it helps remote organizations like ours 
do more. So as I started to think about that, what it, who it is that we are, who it is that we serve, and what is it we do, I started, naturally your brain goes to this ChatGPT, you know, world. Where when you say artificial intelligence, people immediately turn their heads to ChatGPT, OpenAI, and they talk, think about the prompts that they have on their phones or, or on their web browser. And yes, that is artificial intelligence. That is an LLM, but that's only part of the equation, right? That the artificial intelligence has been around for well, if you have spell check, you have artificial intelligence. If you have predictive text in your emails, you have artificial intelligence. If you have a GPS system in your car or on your phone that offers you alternative routes based on traffic, you have artificial intelligence. So this general idea where, oh, artificial intelligence is bad and I'll never use it, it you're acting ridiculous because you already are using it in probably more ways than you'll ever admit. And the fact that it can't touch your business is ridiculous because it's already in your business. It's already, it's already in your employees' emails. It's already in your employees' Word and PowerPoints and Excel, and you already have this uh, help. So this is just better help. So by limiting and not working to implement better artificial intelligence, you're going to fall further behind your competition. But you can only do that if you're ethically doing it and if you understand ways to implement auto automation and artificial intelligence, which we I feel like we go over that a lot on this show. And so today's show, we're going to go over on what not to do. And so today's episode is going to be three common mistakes that people make when implementing artificial intelligence. I'm going to go over three, three areas that are common mistakes of organizations and individuals who are using artificial intelligence. And when people are saying, don't use AI, don't use AI, they're, what they really mean is these three things. These are the three things. These are the three mistakes that people are using, and then they're making sweeping generalizations surrounding artificial intelligence to say, don't use AI because blah, blah, blah. What they really mean is don't use AI for chat, chat prompts and image generation and the creative because, like we just touched on, artificial intelligence has been around for... Every single person saying don't use AI is using AI. Guarantee it. They just don't understand artificial intelligence. They just don't understand LLM. They just don't understand what it is they're talking about when it comes to technology. They're afraid of the capabilities of the tool. They're afraid of what it could do for their business and their industry. And since they don't understand and they have a fear of emotion, they naturally pull away from the implementation because they 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 don't know what to do with it. So now a lot of the members are reading up about it or they're generally ignoring it. If you're generally ignoring it, you're out. And I don't I don't need to deal with them anyways. But if you're reading up on it and you're getting a general understanding of things, you're starting to understand the ethics behind it. You're starting to understand what to do and what not to do. And today's are three things on what not to do. And the first thing is relying too heavily on the AI to do their job. So don't do that. Don't rely on artificial intelligence to do your job. If you are putting into a ChatGPT or a prompt or um, I use ChatGPT a lot in terms of 
referencing artificial intelligence because I think that's the biggest buzzword, right? But there are tons of chat prompt LLMs out there. We deal with Microsoft. OpenAI runs on Microsoft, which if you're building your own bot within the Microsoft Azure environment, it uses ChatGPT 35 Turbo, which, so that's where I'm coming from. It's a chat-generated, text-generated artificial intelligence LLM, large learning model. And if you rely too heavily on it, then you're going to forget how to do the job. At least you're going to get lazy in areas that you should be paying attention to in doing the job. And so if you rely so heavily on it, you're going to substitute human creativity, judgment, empathy, these things that make us human, and you're going to rely on potentially bad, old, or non-related information to make a decision based on your uh, for your organization. A lot of people took to ChatGPT in the beginning and they were like, ChatGPT, write me this, do me that, how to create a template, yada, yada, yada. Not understanding that the original ChatGPT couldn't connect to the internet. They saw it as this, oh, this is super intelligence tool, which it's not. <laughs> Hopefully never, um, but it's not super intelligence. But they saw that this tool and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, write me this, write me that, but it can't connect to the internet. And most of the data was only up to 2000, September 2001. So you had old data, bad data, bad information that you're getting, and you're relying heavily on the artificial intelligence to perform an action or to perform something within your organization. And then, you're, of course, it's spitting out multiple paragraphs that you're not reading. And so you're relying on the artificial intelligence, which has keys. You can take a look at the prompt. You can look at the response, rather. And you can take a look at the response, and there are key indicators that an artificial intelligence wrote it. One, it always writes in like third person. So it has a very hard time writing in first person. Now you can prompt it to do that, but then it's going to use other additional key words um, that it repeats over and over again. That it's pretty it's pretty obvious to tell. It's almost like a watermark when an artificial intelligence writes something. And so that left a lot of humans copying and pasting this onto websites, into articles, into blogs, into you saw college people writing papers with it. And so they're relying on artificial intelligence to do their job. And so while AI can help generate content and generate ideas and get the conversation started, it still needs the human oversight to make sure that it's accurate, relevant, and that it's authentic. That's the first mistake. Second mistake, failing to verify content credibility. We understand this as millennials, that when you Google something, the first thing, or you Bing it, the first thing that pops up is generally not the right answer. Or at least we can listen or read, because you know sometimes they don't read it now, we can, we can read it and say, that's not true, or that's not what I'm looking for, and scroll down a little bit, right? Same thing with now we ha we've had uh, Alexa and Cortana and some of these capabilities for a few years now. You ask Alexa a question, hey, Alexa, you know, who's the best player in blah, 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 and then it'll give you an answer, and you're like, eh, that's not exactly what I was looking for. No, I'm going to ask it again in a different way. 
Then artificial intelligence came out. Same idea, same concept, except we, our guardrails went down. Where we would type something in, ask a prompt to an artificial intelligence, and whatever it came back, we regarded it as truth, which is ridiculous. I think Gen Z understands this very well, and they'll probably understand it better than most because they're going to come up, similar to how millennials came up into the internet, the iGen, Gen Z, they came up in a time with artificial intelligence. They had Alexa devices were in their bedrooms reading them bedtime stories. So they came up and they understand that this is just, it's the it's Google. Millennials, I think we understand it as well, maybe not as well as Gen Z. But it's going to be like the internet to millennials when we were speaking to like our Gen X older brothers or our, our boomer parents is we saw them doing stuff on the internet and we we're like, hey, mom, the Prince of Persia didn't actually email you. That's not real. He is not trying to give you his inheritance. Or, hey, uh, that chain mail that you just sent me that says that you have to send this to 20 people or you're going to have bad luck, uh, maybe don't do that because there might be some malware in there. So, you know, these little tricks that we understood that they didn't necessarily understand. That's what's going to happen with this iGen Gen Z type of transition with millennials if we don't pay attention to verifying the credibility of the content that we're receiving. AI produces crazy results, right? But it can also generate false information or misleading information, which is often referred to as hallucinations. It could just be flat out wrong. So it's always important to check the sources of data, the logic behind the AI-generated content before using it and or sharing it, point blank, period, whether that's in your business, on social media, anywhere. Make sure that you understand that you're verifying this content. And you can straight up ask the prompt, where did you get that? And if it comes back with some crazy blog, then don't use it. Or just you get the prompt from ChatGPT, go do your own research surrounding that specific statistic or prompt, and then make a human-informed decision. AI is not the truth. It is a simple Google search or Bing search just in a new way. That's why when you search on Bing now, which we have Bing Enterprise Chat, so when we search on Bing now, the first thing that comes up instead of the Bing ads, which that's what the first three, five, seven returned on a search is generally ads. Now, on top of that, the screen will kind of come down a little bit and it'll show me the ChatGPT response, which is Bing Chat, OpenAI, whatever. It's the it's the Bing Chat, which is essentially the same thing. Response to that in artificial intelligence. And then you can kind of, okay, well, I have this response. Let me scroll down and take a look at where the articles, where I got it, okay? And then you can kind of do your own research because that's what this is. It's a tool for research, not content creation. Sure, can it create images? Yeah. Anyone who's created images with Dolly 3 or with a chat GB, uh, Bing chat or ChatGPT, um, any type of artificial intelligence, knows they don't generally get it right on the first time. Even like the Photoshop, we did an article or we did a, a, an episode of this podcast where we talked about some of our favorite 
content generating tools, and I talked about Photoshop and the generative AI, even that, you have to mess around with it multiple, multiple times. So when we're visualizing the prompts and we're saying, create an image about this, and we have to get three to five images in order for it to be correct, why aren't we taking that same approach when we're passing prompts into the chat-based LLM? Why are we taking the first response? Why aren't we fine-tuning that response multiple times and then cross-checking where it got its information? That's number two. Number three, we're not analyzing enough data. Now, this is more so when you're building your own LLM. And so LLM is something you'll hear a lot of. And what it stands for is large learning model. Okay. And so a large learning model is the generative AI that uses thousands, hundreds of thousands of, of data points. If you're running an LLM or generative AI on small data sets, that's not really, it's not really the point. Will it give you that information? Sure, it'll give you the information, but you need large data sets. It's like the statistics or the results of a poll that they're like, 83% of people prefer this. And then you look down to the poll results and you're like 500 people were polled. And you're like, well, that's kind of nothing. I don't know exactly the number of when you're running a poll like that, where you're doing like information where it becomes statistically relevant, but it's not 500 people. <laughs> it's, it's a little bit more than that. So understand where your data is coming from. And then un also understand what data you're using to get there, whether it's your own data or the internet is using that data. Because if you're asking the generative AI, and you're like, give me a results on this. And then it pulls a report and you're like, oh, that report is accurate. But then the actual report only pulled like 100 people. That's, that's not statistically relevant. It's just not. Now, is the information that the prompt gave you correct? Okay, so did you did you rely heavily on the AI to do your job? Well, maybe not. Maybe you're like, I cross-referenced. Okay, good. Then you're failing to verify the content credibility. Did you verify that the content is correct? Yeah. Looks like you did, but that's where you're stopping there and you're saying, hold on, 500 people, that's not enough data. And that's this third one. They need large and diverse amounts of data to learn from and perform well. Point blank, period. You can't just run it on small sets. I mean, you can, but you're gonna not necessarily gonna get good information. What you put in is what you get out. So, if the data is insufficient, if it's low quality, or if it's biased, which is what we're seeing a lot of more and more, is biased data and biased information, then the AI model, it's going to produce inaccurate, unreliable outcomes, which is the exact opposite of what it is that you're looking to achieve using a generative AI or an LLM. So make sure that you are, if you're building your own LLM, make, make sure that you uh, are collecting, cleaning, and structuring your data properly, uh, properly before you're putting it through any sort of LLM. So you need to make sure that you're doing those things. And cleaning your data means accuracy. It means making sure that your data is set up properly. So if the metadata is all the same, make sure that your data, you don't have duplicate data, make sure that that's what you refer to when you hear dirty data is 
dirty data is data that has not been gone through and has not been um, organized, has not been established into a specific set. Uh, it's it's un it's untouched data. It's essentially dirty data. You're feeding data in from from points, and it's just dumping grounds. That's dirty data. So go through, collect your data, clean your data, then you can analyze your data and make sure that you're using large sets. So don't be like, um, like if you were running a Power BI or, or business intelligence on reports surrounding your business and you used last week's data to make a decision of how you're going to scale your business for the next four or five years, you understand that that's probably not a very good uh, representation of your business. And if you were to use your last three years of data and information, you're going to have a much clearer picture as to what is possible in the next five years. Is the last week's data relevant? Of course. But can you build an entire model of, of prediction surrounding the next five years of business around that one week? Probably not. It's a lot better if you were to look at the last three years. That's why when you go through uh, acquiring a business, the acquisition process, it does require your last three years of business. Is that last three-year business going to tell the entire story of what the next three, five, 10 years of business is going to be? Well, no, but it's a decent picture of what that business has done, the type of information surrounding that business. And it's a much clearer picture. If they only looked at the last week or three weeks, maybe you just had a really good week. Maybe you just had a really bad week. But it's, it's not a full picture. The three years isn't exactly a full picture either, but it gets you a little bit closer, a lot of bit closer from a week. So make sure that the information you're bringing in is large. That's why it's an LLM, large learning model, because it needs large amounts of data. And the amount of data that you have, it can process it so fast that it doesn't really matter of how much data you have. Because the, because the speed of process, it's going to make the decision-making better, more accurate, but it, and it won't slow you down. You don't have to worry about, oh, well, it'll slow the bot down. No. It won't because that's what it was built to do. So these are the three mistakes. I'll, I'll review them very quickly. Relying too heavily on AI to do your job. Don't do that, guys. Okay? This is a tool. You wouldn't rely fully on any other tool within your organization. So don't rely solely on AI to do your job. It's setting yourself up for failure. That gets back into all these people who are laying people off to replace them with AI. Terrible decision. Next, failing to verify content and credibility. They're just taking the first prompt and they're pasting it in. They're like, yes, this is truth. Blessed. But it's not. It's That's ridiculous. Make sure you're doing your research. Make sure you're doing mul running multiple prompts on the same thing. Make sure that you're re re uh, researching any specific points. These AIs do hallucinate. They do uh, produce false information. So you just have to understand where your data is coming from and, and do a little bit of R&D yourself. Next is not analyzing enough data. This gets into your own data, collecting more than you think is enough, way more than you think is enough because that's what's needed. But it also gets into the prompts and to understanding, okay, well, I, it, did, it did return information, but the, the statistics surrounding that specific study is not statistically significant. So that, that is also something that you guys need to pay very, very close attention to. So guys, thanks for hanging out. Thanks for sitting around. Thanks for sharing the show. Really appreciate you guys sharing the show. Um, we don't run ads. I don't really plan on ever running any ads. So if, whether you're sharing the show or you're sharing our reels or you're sharing our uh, shorts on YouTube, 
uh, I, I appreciate all of it. So thank you guys for hanging out. Thanks for sharing the show. Please like and subscribe. Until next time, guys. See you. Well, guys, thanks so much for watching and or listening. We have had a great time. Hope you did, too. You can find all of the Work Wherever podcast episodes here on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, or all of your major streaming platforms with new episodes dropping every Monday. Make sure to follow us at Capital Presence on all social platforms to stay up to date with the things all Work Wherever related. See you next week.